1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now may the, verse 23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will also do it. Lord, I thank you for this service this morning and the presence of God that's here. And I just ask you to speak through me this morning to these wonderful people that are here to hear the word of God. And Lord, we've had fun, we've laughed, we've praised, and we've worshipped. But now, Lord, we want to we wanna see what your word has to say for our lives. And we ask you to just anoint this word. And we ask that every spirit that raises itself up against the knowledge of God would be defeated and destroyed this morning. We pray for an anointing upon this word and upon the altar call and upon the rest of this service in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. As, you, as you get in, in, into this this morning, I've, there's a, too much to be able to go back over for anybody who's here for the first time. It's always a struggle in a series to make sure that I say something that would allow somebody here that hasn't been here or that has missed, even missed one or whatever in a series to try to make sure that they have an idea what I'm talking about. But uh, the, the, the biggest thing is, so you get an idea, and I can't go all the way back, is as we read 1 Thessalonians 5, he says there are some key words that he says that he wants us to be sanctified completely. Okay, completely, meaning totally, meaning all the way, meaning in every way. And then it says that we would be a whole spirit, soul, and body. Okay, and so God doesn't just want a, our, our bodies to be blessed, or He doesn't just want our souls to be blessed. He doesn't just want our spirits to be blessed. He wants us to be blessed body, soul, and spirit. And we've been talking about quickly, for, for again, for just a quick re, 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 uh, review, that, that the body is the easiest one to understand because it's what we see. We see the body. We feel the body. We can touch the body. We know the body, but we don't see the soul. We don't see the spirit. But obviously we know that this body is what passes away. This body is what dies. Okay? And, and, and this is the most important thing we've got to understand this morning is that this body is not going to be here very long. And you say amen. And if you live to be a, have a great life like my mammal that lived to be 92, that's a long life on this earth, but in the span of eternity, it's just milliseconds. It's not even milliseconds. It's not even a number we can say. It's nothing short enough to compare eternity with the, the, the life we live. And so whether you live a short life and have an unexpected death, whether you, you have babies, uh, you know, die at young ages or people that are teenagers or whatever, whatever lifespan you live, life is short. And so it's not about just what we do in the body, but it's what happens to our spirit after we pass away. And that spirit is what we're trying to make sure goes to heaven. Can you say amen? I want my spirit to go to heaven. We know that the Bible is very clear this morning that there's two places that our spirit goes. And the, and the bottom line is, is whether we believe it or not, whether the world believes it or not, whether the atheists believe it or not, every person's spirit is going to live forever. And the Bible says that we get a choice. The great thing is we don't get a choice of whether we're going to live forever. We just get a choice of where. And that's what the Bible says. The Bible is very clear on that. I, I, can, I can sit here today and say, you know what? I don't want to live forever. And, and, and God would say, too bad. I didn't give you that option. Come on, get with me on that. I don't have the choice. I, I can say, I, God, I just, I just want it to end. And when I die, I just want the lights to go out. And a lot of people want to think that way. But guess what? When the lights go out, the lights are going to come back on. And you're going to be one of two places. The Bible says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And so we need to make sure that our spirit 
When we pass away and breathe our last breath, we need to make sure that our spirit goes to the Lord. The Bible says you either go to heaven or you go to hell. Those who have accepted me, those who have believed in me, those who have put their faith in me will be absent from their body and present with the Lord. Those who do not, those who reject, those who say, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't, I don't believe in the cross. I don't believe in his blood. I don't believe in the salvation. And they believe in something else. Listen, I didn't write it and you didn't write it. God wrote it and he said there, there's no other way to get to heaven but through Jesus. But through the Son, amen? But through the blood of Jesus Christ, amen? He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes unto the Father except through Him. And so I need to make sure that my spirit is right, and my spirit is what is the vertical relationship I have with God. My soul is what's around me. My mind, my will, and emotions, it's the horizontal relationships I have. It's how I deal with people. It's how I deal with life. But my spirit, God wants our spirit to be connected to him in a way that I have a relationship with him. And, and religion today would tell you that the way you get to God is by an ABC of a ladder of things and works and, and prayers and meditations and things that you've learned and steps. And God says, no, I want a relationship with you. I want, to know, I want you to know me like I know you. I want you to be able to talk to me like you talk to your best friend. I want you to have a relationship with me. I want, I want you to worship me and praise me. But the amazing thing about God is he says, I want you to worship me and praise me because you want to. That's the wonderful thing about God is he gives us free will. And he says, hey, you don't want to worship me? Don't. You don't have to. But I've got a plan, and I've got a way for you to spend it, and I've got great things for you if you'll just follow my plan. So we have to, have to have a strong spiritual life. We've got to have control over our mind. This is the battlefield, the battlefield of the mind. Uh, I've, I've had up there in the past where the, they had a mind. I just put something up new this morning, but there was a head there. And inside the head, there was a, the, a picture of Jesus and, and the devil fighting. And it was asking, who will you choose? What, what voice are you listening to this morning? And how many know that every day when we wake up, that there's two voices speaking to us. There's a spiritual voice speaking to us, and there's a carnal voice speaking to us. There's a voice of God and the Holy Spirit, and there's a voice of the demonic forces of darkness. And they're battling over our minds, and whoever we feed wins. Okay, well, if I feed my spirit, then my spirit wins. If I starve my spirit, then flesh wins. And so the battle of the mind is making sure that I'm keeping my mind pure. That I'm making sure that I'm keeping my mind on the things of God. And I've got a verse here for that in Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says, Think on those things which are above. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Set your mind on things above. He says, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is our life appears, you will also appear with him in glory. How many are ready to appear with God in glory? Amen. We serve a living God this morning. Amen. I want you to get excited about this. I want you to know that, that, the, that when you work on your mind, it draws you closer to God. We've been talking about clutter. We've been talking about making sure that we don't have clutter in our minds, that our mind is not full of things that do not edify God. And there's the battle. But I want to get into some new stuff this morning. I, I know for time I'm not going to get to it all, but I do want to try to challenge you this morning to think of some things here <coughs> Excuse me, that, that, will, that, that are types of mind that you can have 
that are not God's minds. How many know Wednesday night we talked about having the mind of Christ? Okay, so we want to have the mind of Christ, which is his will, his plan and, and, and thinking like him, praying like him, acting like him, doing like him, his having the mind of Christ. If we don't have the mind of Christ, then we have a mind contrary to Christ, which is a carnal mind. And I want to give you a few types of minds this morning, but I want to remind you uh, and those that have been in this series that we think a lot. Even if you think you don't think a lot, statistically, science tells us we have 20 to 60 thousand thoughts every day that's a lot some of you are going that's why I get headaches some of you are going that's why I, my, I'm tired when I get home okay and then obviously you could compound that on certain days that's an average day and that's that's me spending time looking at statistics I don't know I, I never try to take just the first statistic I see I try to see several places and get a, an average and they would go from anywhere from 20 some would go up to 70 but an average 20 to 60,000 thoughts a day, which means you've got 20 to 50 a minute. That's a lot of thoughts. We're constantly thinking. And like I've been saying, you might think, I don't think that much. But you do, and you're thinking all the time. And right now you're thinking about me telling you you're thinking about thoughts. So you're doubling them up. You're thinking while you're listening. And you get what I'm saying. It's double, right? So you're thinking a lot. So if I'm thinking a lot, my thought life controls my actions. Okay? Generic example is, it, is when you're going to shake someone's hand, you think about putting your hand out. You think about smiling. One of the reasons that I'm not good with names is because I've trained myself to make sure I smile and look them in the face and, look and, and, and let them know I care as I'm talking to them, and I miss the name. That's just me. I'm, I'm trying, you know, I could... I could, I could It'd be a different picture, let me tell you that, if I tried to get your name. Let's just put it that way. It takes me three or four times to get your name. But I'm like, make sure you smile. Make sure you shake the hand. Make sure you, they, they know you're looking at them and you're giving them time. And as I'm doing all that, the mind, they say, oh, I'm so-and-so. And it goes right by me. Okay? So we act off of our thoughts. You're going to hit somebody, you think it first. Right? That's why it says think before you act. Right? So thought life, and that's all day long. And so as I'm thinking about things, uh, I'm acting them out, or, or, better yet, I'm learning to attack the mind. I'm learning to grab that thought. I'm learning to take that thought captive before I act. That's really what God wants us to do. He wants us to take that thought captive, and He wants us to think about it first and say, hey, wait, let me think about this before I do this. Should I hit this person? Should I, should I say this word? Should I do what I'm about to do? And if you think it through, then you have the mind of Christ, then you begin to think, would God do this? Would Jesus do this? Would Jesus think this? And there's a whole thought process, but it takes work. It takes work to have a clean mind. Amen? Taking out the garbage. But I want to show a few things as we're body, soul, and spirit this morning, a few uh, battles of the mind, a few uh, mindsets that you don't want to have. And, and the first one is being double-minded. Double-minded. Let's go to the book of James, if you would. And as you're getting there, there's some keys to controlling your mind this morning. There's some keys to making sure that uh, you are living this life that we're wanting to. 
Uh, and, and think about this. Here's a, here's a statement I've got written down in my notes. Do you realize that when we think like God, we have his mind? When we think like God. How many could stop, try to stop in your life and, and begin to say, what would God do in this situation? There's been bracelets made and big statements and T-shirts made and all kinds of stuff about WWJD. What would Jesus do? But before we think that, we need to think, what would Jesus think? WWJT. Amen. What would Jesus think? Because he thinks before he acts. And we know that Jesus thought, had thoughts. Jesus had temptations. Jesus lived the same life we lived on the same earth we lived we know the battle of Jesus' mind when we see um, him being tempted in the desert in Matthew 4. We see the battle of Jesus' mind when he's making the decision in, in, in the first miracle of whether or not he's going to listen to his mother when she says, hey, do this miracle. He says, mom, it's not my time. She says, hey, and then she says, well, I'm not going to give you a choice like moms do. I'm not going to give you a choice. Uh, go, get, go get the buckets and do whatever he says. But he's going through this thought thinking, man, mom, you're putting me on blast here. You're making me do something before I'm ready to do it. He's having a thought life. Jesus thought like we did. Go to the garden. He's in the garden. And we know that he is thinking so hard. Nobody ever thought like Jesus thought. I don't know of anybody I've ever met or heard of that, that bled sweat. They thought so much. Jesus was thinking so hard and so, so steady and so... And such a difficult thought that he sweat blood. So he had a thought life. And his thought life at that moment was, hey, God, Father, can we do this different? He had a thought life. He, 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 he was fighting the battle of the mind too. Don't you think sometimes, I like to put myself in God's shoes. I'm not, not, not in a spiritual, powerful way, but just how he thinks. It helps me. And I'm thinking sometimes, man, you know that when Jesus was doing what he was doing, there had to be thoughts that entered his mind that were different than what he did. He always did the right thing, but the thought had to come in because he was human, and the devil was attacking him. And many times, he, he, I bet you he wanted to slap his disciples. I promise you. I promise you, it went through his mind. Because he, he would really come out at him and say, How long? How long do I have to deal with you? You know, and I'm thinking sometimes he just wanted to slap him upside the head, but he didn't do it. He had the battle of the mind won. Are y'all following me? I'm not, I'm, I know that's funny, but I'm trying to be real. He's going through these things, and he's thinking, thinking, thinking just like we are, and we can have the mind of Christ, and we can say, God, how would you think this through? How would you handle this situation? What would you do in this situation? And when we do that, how many have heard the verse, with man this is impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. Let me make a statement to you this morning. When you begin to think like God, nothing is impossible. Nothing. So we think that, we hear that verse sometimes and it sounds good. It's like, yes, that's awesome, man. I, I'm, I, nothing's impossible for you, God. But how many know that when you're saying that, you're looking at the situation and the situation is telling you very different than what your mind is telling you. And you win that battle of the mind by saying, I'm not believing in what I see. My walk is by faith and not by sight. 
And I'm going to win this battle over this mind. And I'm going to have faith that God is who he says he is, does what he says he does, and he will come through every time. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. He's the perfecter of my faith. If he said it, I believe it. And that's how we win the battle of the mind. Amen? By putting our faith not in what we see, but in what he has said. Amen? In what he has said. What has he said? In his word. In his word. His word is so perfect. This Bible is so perfect that we're reading out of this morning. This is the ultimate word. This is the last word. I don't care what you said or the news said or the doctor said or the government said. God's word is the final authority. And when my mind is connected to this, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible. Amen. But we have to continue to reject thoughts. All day long, okay? Reject thoughts that are bad and don't edify. And listen, these thoughts prevent us from going to where God wants us to go. They're barriers, okay? How many have been driving, especially lately in this construction? And sometimes you're driving. When I left this morning, I couldn't go under the first, I couldn't get on the freeway under the first entrance to, from my house because a cop was in the middle of the road. They were doing something down the road. I had to get off on the frontage road. And so there was a barrier between me and my destination. If I had to go around. Okay? And so we need to understand that there are barriers. Listen to this because I know by credit, I'm going to give you credit this morning. Every single one of you in this place this morning wants to live for God. Every single one of you, even if you got drugged here. Amen? Even if you're here, you got pulled in by the ear. Even if you got coerced into being here. Amen? I know no one's. I'm just saying. It's a possibility. Amen? But if you're, if you're here, I'll give you credit that you want to serve God. Amen. Give you credit you want to fulfill the will of God for your life. So we're not even going to say, well, if. So since you do, I know that you want to do that. But you need to realize to be able to do God's will, there's barriers. There's barriers set up. The devil will put things there, and he'll say, no, if he, I don't want him to cross this. I don't want him to go there. And they'll do things to make us mad. We sang the song this morning, I won't go back. I have decided to follow Jesus. Do I have anybody in here this morning? I just want to see if there's anybody in here who really believes that song and has really said in their heart, I have decided I will not go back. Amen. The cross before me, the world behind me. Amen. Amen. How many? That's me. That's you. That's us. We're going forward. We're going to live for God. But there's going to be barriers. And I've got to reject those things so that I can do what God wants me to do and go where God wants me to go. The first mind that the devil wants you to have is a double-minded one. James 1 verse 8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in some of his ways. Oh, thank you. Did I say that wrong? All his ways. A double-minded man or woman is unstable in all his ways. Okay? So what is a double-minded person? I know someone's in your mind right now. I know you got a picture. I said, who is a double-minded person? And a picture just came up in your mind. Ta-da! That's not that person, okay? Get that person out of your mind. All right? Clean that mind out. Shame on you. I didn't have anybody's particular in, in my mind. <laughs> you caught that. Good one. At all of us. We're all double-minded in a way. But there's a mindset. Okay, so as I mentioned some of these, all of us are going to be there at times. We're battling that. 
But I'm talking about as I go through a few of these, and I probably won't get to very many. As I'm going through these, and we probably take it into Wednesday, some of these, these mindsets, I'm talking about someone who has allowed a foot place of the devil in, and they've got kind of an anchor in their mind. I'm not talking about a time when they're double-minded, right? Time when you get into some of these other things. We all, we all make mistakes. Every one of us at times is double-minded. But I'm talking about someone who is now not just double-minded every once in a while. They're just double-minded. Okay, what is double-minded? Listen, I'll tell you. This is a person who thinks and acts one way sometimes. Thinks and acts one way sometimes. And thinks and acts in a different way other times. Okay? There'll be one day they think and act great. They think and act the right way. Maybe days. Maybe weeks. And then some other week, they think and act exactly the opposite of how they thought and act last week on the same subject. On the same thing. That's a double-minded person. Okay? They don't know what they believe. They are, they're, they're almost like chameleons. It, it basically, a double-minded person is someone who does not understand what they believe. Or they don't really, really believe what they believe. They believe what they believe because someone told them to believe it, and so they believed it, but they don't really believe it. And so if I'm around believers, then I believe. If I'm around people that are saying good, positive things, and Jesus is the way, and God is the answer, and I can do all things through Christ, this strengthens me. If I'm around people like that, I'm saying the same thing. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. What he said. But then I get around some people at work, atheists, backslidden, angry at God, whatever, and yeah, what they said. Whoever I'm with, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, wherever, yeah, wind's blowing north, I'm going north. How many follow me? That's a double-minded person. They're unstable in all their ways. They do not have a foundation because they do. I'd rather a person, God would rather a person just be one way or the other. Didn't Jesus say, I'd rather you be hot or cold? He's like, so if you don't want to serve me, don't serve me. I've always been very honest about that. God hadn't changed my life. I would not be living for God. I would not be putting on a front. I would not be faking it till I make it. I would not be doing all that stuff. Do I don't have anybody else in here like that. I want to be hot. If I'm not going to be hot, then I'm going to be cold. I'm going all the way one way or the other. But I'm not going to go all the way one week. And then next week, go all the way the other direction. Now my kids and my wife and the people in my life don't know who I am or what I believe. It's a double-minded person. James 3, look at James 3 with me. Say amen when you're there. Actually, can I, can I give you another verse? I know you're in James. Can I mess you up? Hold that spot and go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Give me a big amen when you get there. Hold that, James. This is a verse just this morning that I added that felt the Lord put in my heart for this message this morning. And I'll just take a few more minutes and we'll close up this morning. Say amen when you're there. Ephesians chapter 2. See, that one of the reasons that people are double-minded is that they don't understand that they've been set free. They don't truly understand freedom. They don't truly understand 
that I'm a new creation. They waver between that. And, and they believe it some days, but they don't believe it other days. They listen to the mirror too much. They listen to the voices too much. They go off of emotions too much. I, mean, I know people like this, they're just so emotional. And however they feel that day is how God is. If I'm having a great day, God's great. If I'm not having a great day, he's all right. He's okay. He's so-so. Or he might even be bad. But how many know that God does not change with how I feel? There's no variance in him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. I need to change to God's image, not God changed the mind. It's double-minded. And so for us to really get a foothold on the mind, we need to watch verse 1 of Ephesians 2, and look what it says. Now, aren't you glad that I'm reading the Bible and not giving you my thoughts? Amen. Amen. The Bible. We've got the Bible right here. He says, and you he made alive. Do I have any alive people here this morning? Yeah. And see, I'm not even talking physically. Obviously, we're all alive. Heard someone say the other night, unless I got chalk around my body, I'm alive. Yeah. Right? Some of y'all get that later, about 3 o'clock this afternoon. And you he made alive. We're all physically alive. You're here. See, a lot of times in services, one of the problems is, is we're here physically. Oh, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> who were dead, watch this, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Okay? See, one, one of our biggest problems is we read things, but we don't really read them. He says, I'm alive, but I was dead. I'm not dead anymore. In my trespasses, in my sins. I'm a new creation. Old things are gone. And behold, all things have become new. So I'm not that old person anymore that the devil tries to tell me that I am. I'm not him. That guy's dead. I'm alive in the Spirit of God. Okay? Who were, and if you've got a pen under light, were dead in trespasses and sins. And watch this. In which you once walked. Say walked. Not walk. Double-minded is walk. No, walkata. Right? Walkata. E-D. Amen. E-D. I'm, I'm not, I promise I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just trying to get you to understand. Past tense. Walked. So we're not walking in that anymore. How many get frustrated? Maybe it's you, maybe it's somebody you know that they're just up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. I must have been talking to somebody. I get one amen right there. In which you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also, watch this, we, a few of us, conducted ourselves. All. So all of us were messed up. All of us were sinners. All of us were lost. All of us used to be like that. One of the, problem, one of the biggest signs is that you're double-minded is that you think everybody else is double-minded. Right. Instead of realizing you are. Right? We're always looking around at other people. Man, they are so wishy-washy. And you're the one that's wishy-washy. And I'm talking to me too, okay? 
it, that's the problem is I'm thinking everybody else is. It says, well, we all once, we all were like that, once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. Watch this, and we're getting where we're at now. And of the mind. And of the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath. That's pretty crazy. When the last time someone called you a child of wrath? Or <laughs> child of wrath. Some of you are saying this morning, I called my child, I'm sorry, Pastor. <laughs> child of wrath. Or some of you are going to do it later. <laughs> you child of wrath. You know, because until they get saved, accountability age, they're going to heaven, but, you know, they are. <laughs> some of y'all's kids. Child of wrath. It's here if you need it. Don't forget, anybody can come up here and grab this at any time. But do it in the bathroom because it'll make me sad <laughs> and happy <laughs> at the same time. Am I double-minded? I don't know. None of this is planned, I promise. James 3. So we once walked like that, but I'm not walking like that anymore. And any time, moment, situation that the devil tries to bring up, who I was, I tell the devil, no, that's not me anymore. I'm not going to believe your lie. Doesn't the Bible say he's the father of all lies? So if I'm a failure, if I'm a loser, if I'm lost, if I'm a sinner, if I'm weak, if I'm all these things, it's not God, it's the devil telling me those things. And I am losing the battle of the mind to believe him. I need to say, no, that's not me anymore. And I, I can give him credit. You know what? You're right. That was me. That's not me anymore. I'm not going to be double-minded. I'm not going to fall in the same things I've been falling in forever. I'm a changed person. Okay, but a double-minded person. So what I'm doing here is helping us recognize these mindsets. And if we're smart and we're really in, in the spirit and we're really trying to be right, then God will say gently by his Holy Spirit, hey, not out loud. He's not going to say, hey, in a loud voice so everybody hears it. He's going to say to you and me in our spirits, that's you. And he's going to grab our elbow if we try to nudge someone around us and say he's talking about you. Right? He's going to say no. Nudge yourself. Right? Seriously. In a loving, compassionate way, he's going to tell you, that's you. And it doesn't have to be you in a full-blown way, but if we're really walking in the Spirit, then he's telling us before we go full-blown. And he's saying, look, you're heading this direction. You're beginning to come, begin really to be really unstable. See, what I'm going to do with these mindsets here is I'm going to show you the process. Watch this carefully. The process, not for us to ever happen to us, so it doesn't. The process of backsliding. No one backslides overnight. No one wakes up one morning and says, I don't believe in God anymore. There's a process. And the mind is where it starts. Now, I've had this question a thousand times, and you probably have too as a believer. What is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? People ask that all the time. I've had people come up and ask me. I, I think I might have blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And I tell them, no, you didn't. Because the fact that you're just asking means you haven't. Because you don't, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time thing you say. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is a, is a move in a direction 
to where you allow yourself to continue to fall away in the mind to a place where there's no return. Okay? So understand that carefully. That in, and this series right here is going to show you how you do that. How you slowly fade into backsliding. And thank God, anywhere along the line, as long as your spirit is still fighting, you can come back. But obviously, obviously people have let go. Obviously people have gotten to what we call the slippery slope. And once you get to a certain place, how many know once you get to a certain place on a slippery slope, there is no coming back up. It's, you're gone. But thank God for His Holy Spirit. Thank God for His mercy. Thank God for His grace. Thank God for His conviction. And thank God that we can be sensitive enough to God to say, you know what, God? I, I thank you that, that, I, that I'm being preached the truth. I thank you that someone's trying to help me recognize myself in the mirror before I fall. I don't know about you, but I love it when my pastor hits me across the head with a spiritual two-by-four. I like it. That's just me. You know what? And because I like it, I'm going to make it to heaven. When I stop liking it, I'm, I'm in trouble. I like when someone tells me what I need to hear. Not what I want to hear, but what I need to hear. And I'm telling you this morning, not because anybody specifically is going through this, but because this is a good way to say, you know what? If I, if I keep myself from being double-minded... I'm not going to go on to the next step and the next step and the next step of all these mindsets that are here that are so dangerous. James 3, verse 8. I'm going, to, I'm going to read this verse and we'll close for this morning. No man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. This is James chapter 3, verse 8. Verse 9, with it, now this is exactly the picture we've been talking about. With it, we bless our God and Father. And with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. So here's the perfect definition of a double-minded man at verse 10. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? No, thus no springs, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. In verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, don't boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Amen. Those are some, those are some powerful verses. These are the kind of verses, and listen, there's tons of these in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, where the Holy Spirit's writing to us, and, and, and we, we don't need to rush through them. We need to read them, and we need to stop on certain words, and we need to say, Lord, check me on that. Amen. Check me on that. Am I, and I just, I read several of them, am I envious? Am I, am I, uh, 
Oh, I gotta go backwards. Is there in my car? Is my is my mind uh, thinking on things that are that are not pure? Sorry, I went the wrong way in my notes. Am I bitter? Am I envious? Am I self-seeking? Am I am I lying against the truth? How many know that you can fool everybody, but you can't fool yourself? You can try, but at the end of the day, you know who you are. You know who you are. And that's, the, that's the, the biggest thing we can try to do is to be real with ourselves. Because a double-minded person is going to put up a front. A double-minded person is going to act a certain way around the people they need to act a certain way. And then they'll be themselves other times. And we need to say, God, is this action of mine the way you'd want me to act in front of my wife, in front of my kids, in front of the church, in front of you? And we need to get to that place where I say, God, I don't want to be that way. Is there anything sensual in me? Is there anything demonic in me? You know what's crazy is he said the word demonic, and he's talking to the church. It means that we can slowly begin to act and live and walk and talk more like the world than we do God. And that's a mind thing, amen? And it's a slippery slope when we begin to fall away. So this morning, I, I, I thought I would get past one. But I want to write, have you write down before we close the other ones. And I'll get into them. Number one is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. Number two, and listen, there's no necessarily particular order, but you can listen to these and you'll see how, how it progresses. The second one is the hardened mind. Okay, how do I harden my mind? Well, remember, I've been saying that the heart and the mind are connected. Spiritual heart and the spiritual mind are connected. So out of the, out of the, the, the heart come the springs, springs, springs the, the life in me, who I am, okay? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, okay? So I'm understanding that there's a connection. So when my heart is hard, I can't have a, I can't have a soft heart and a hard mind. I can't have a soft mind and a hard heart. They go hand in hand. My heart's soft, my mind's soft. My heart's hard, my mind's hard, okay? And so the hardened mind is the next one. Number three, I'm not going to go in these, but I want you to write them down. Number three is the carnal mind. Carnal. My mind is carnal. Okay? I got scriptures for all these. Inside carnal is selfish. Really selfish. Number four, prideful mind. The prideful mind. Number five, this is where it begins to get really dangerous. The perverse and reprobate mind. Okay, this is in the scriptures. When you begin to get around five, God help you. Seriously. Because the problem is, is when you begin to get around five, people can tell you, speak to you, preach to you. God can use people. But you get around five, you're not hearing it anymore. It's a dangerous place. Okay, but if we recognize it from before, then we don't ever want to get to that place. Okay, reprobate and perverse mind. Then you go past that one more step to number six, the hostile mind. That's when you begin to act out the thoughts. You ever thought to, about, you ever thought how somebody could kill somebody? This is the process. They didn't stop these things and it's one, one mind leads to another and once they get to a, because let me tell you something, just like when I talked about suicide, I said, I don't believe anybody can kill themselves in their right mind, in their right mind. Okay, so they've gotten to a place 
of, of, a, of, a, of a reprobate mind to be able to kill themselves. I, I don't believe, I'm not a scientist or a doctor, I don't believe a person can rape a child or kill a child in their right mind. They've gotten to a place of a reprobate and perverse mind and then a hostile mind. Okay, so I'm not justifying those people. I'm not saying, well, they should be in the, in the, in the mental place and the, you know, all the stuff that they claim and try to get out of, out of court and stuff. I'm telling you where their mind is when they do that because there's no way a normal human being created by God could do that to a child in their right mind. But somewhere along the way, they weren't, they weren't de defeating the smaller mindsets. And then they got to that and they became hostile. And number seven is the dark mind. The dark mind, which is the final goal of the devil. Now, as I'm talking about these, you, you might know someone, you're saying, man, that's where they're at. And I, and I would tell you, listen, danger, but we know that God, with God, all things are possible. Anybody can turn around. But when I think of a hostile and dark mind, dark, a dark mind, and I'll close with this, and the musicians can head up if you want. The dark mind is, is, is where the devil wants everybody's mind to be. It's where his is. And it is, it is the mindset, watch this, it is the mindset that hates the light. Okay, so you ha you ha when you see somebody who's done bad things, but then you say, how can they hate God so much? They have a dark mind. They don't just not believe in God. They hate God. And, 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 and we just showed the movie just last week about God's not dead. And you remember that professor didn't believe in God. And that young boy through the Holy Spirit helped him see how can you hate something you don't believe in? Hate, hostile, place of danger. I think of a hostile and a dark mind. I think of someone like Marilyn Manson who urinates on the Bible. That's a dark mind. Yeah. It's one thing to not believe in God, and it's one thing to you know, just, you know, just do your thing. But when you take the scriptures out and urinate on them in a concert, that's a dark mind. That's, the, that's a whole other level. And there's obviously many people like that. But I love prevention. I'm a preventive kind of guy. I love maintenance. I love, I love God showing me where I'm going to fall instead of telling me how to get up after I fall. That's just me. And I want to teach you how to recognize these mindsets and say, God, I don't want to get anywhere near these four, five, six, and seven mindsets, God. I don't ever want to get anywhere near that. I want to have a mind that is set on things above, set on God, set on the things of the Lord. Amen?